0: Welcome to today's edition of The Transition Guy, Peter Balker here, and today joining me is a good friend of mine, fellow colleague, and now published author, thought leader, Kevin Lawrence. Thanks for coming on board today, Kevin. Yeah, thanks, Peter. I'm glad to be here. Wow, it's been quite a journey for you, hasn't it? It's been an adventure, that's for sure. <laughs> so just to give people a bit of an idea, you've just finished your book, haven't you? Literally just
1: finished it and yesterday for the first time presented it, my first keynote to 200 people to actually get a sense of how people reacted to what I've been working on in my head for two years. So a lot of people are
0: going to be thinking, all right, so what is this book? What is it called?
1: Yeah, the name of the book is Your Oxygen Mask First and the principle of the book is basically that a lot of really high performing, highly committed CEOs, executives and leaders uh, get in a lot of trouble because they're so committed to their work that they actually forget to take care of themselves. And, and really it comes down to, we really need to listen listen to the, the wisdom of, of the, uh, the air hostesses who tell us, you know, you need to put your mask on first before you help someone else. Unfortunately, we don't. And then we get worn out, burnt out, and, uh, and it hurts.
0: It does, and a lot of high-performing, sort of CEOs, business owners, fall into that trap. And I don't think they necessarily fall into that trap because they don't want to look after themselves. A lot of them fall into the trap because their business is just so consuming for them. Yes. That they get caught into that trap of work, 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 work and they forget about everything else.
1: Well it is true because these people are so committed to being successful at whatever they do that they just they basically are willing to do whatever it takes. Which is truly what does separate them from people who don't achieve much. But unfortunately that's a that's a double edged sword in that it makes them very successful, but then it makes them very vulnerable to get to get messed up and hurt along the way.
0: So expand on that. What do you mean by sort of vulnerable and messed up along the way? Well, if you look at
1: seriously committed leaders who achieve major things, you know whether they you know build a ten million dollar business or a billion or multi billion dollar business, the achievement side of their equation of their balance sheet is extremely strong, but their level of enjoyment and how they feel is often horrible. Actually dreadful and if you really look at these people's lives from the outside you would think they're living an absolute dream they've got the mansion on the hill or a different size mansion depending on their level of achievement they may or may not have their own private plane or maybe they fly a business class they get to do some crazy things they have a lot of fun they make more money than they need so from the view of most people they have this world of abundance it's amazing but unfortunately for a lot of them they are an excruciating excruciating pain and and what I found over the last 22 years of coaching high-performing CEOs and executives is that these people actually get to the point where they get depressed. Some get suicidal. Some even commit suicide. Now, And, and by the way, nobody wants to talk about that. That's kind of like a little secret of business, but... It's, it's prevalent. It's, it's common. I talk to people about this stuff all the time. And I had no idea when I got into being a coach that I would learn about these things. Never mind need to master them. But it's it's common, it's commonplace. But we don't talk about it. We hear about rock stars and pop stars that that happens to, and we think that's the rock and roll lifestyle or something. But no, this is this is part of the human condition for people that are really passionate about what they do and commit an above average amount of
0: energy into their into their passion. And how crazy is it that you take these high performers? They're very good at their physical health most of the time. Yep. They work out and everything. A lot of them are pretty good with their diet to a degree. I think when you're sort of eating out and you're sort of that kind of lifestyle, it might be difficult from time yeah. to time. But what really astonishes me is that very few of these highly successful people actually look after their mental health.
1: Yeah, and the way I look at it is is that they don't even realize that they're not doing it. But what happens is is their soul starts to die mm. and their mental health starts to fade. And then they fall into addictive patterns of some sort to try to cope with it. And they don't even know. I had one guy that I worked with that before you know it, he was having 14 drinks a day. Now, this is a high performer and he hit it for everybody really well. So, and again, it's not that everyone ends up drinking. People have all kinds of different things they fall into. The root of it is if you want to continue to scale your business and have your business grow, you have to continue to grow yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. And in order for you to continue to grow... You need to have time and energy to focus on strengthening you. But in the world we live in, that kind of goes against all the advice we're given. And I think that's the core problem. Why do you think that is? Why do you think people give such stupid advice? Well, you and I are both pretty blunt, Peter, but I, I wouldn't call it stupid advice. It's wrong advice for the wrong person. If we worked in a nice little job for a local government, mm-hmm. and we you know we started work at, at 9 o'clock and we had a... 15-minute break and then a 30-minute lunch and then a 15-minute break and then we leave at five o'clock on a button no matter what don't take work home for you or with you at all the advice for that person there's a lot of advice that would work for that but what works for that person does not work for a freakishly driven high-performing leader or ceo so what is happening actually is the advice for a average typical worker is being shared with these high performers but it's like it's like feeding the food that you would feed to a, a, a pony in your backyard versus which you would feed
0: a racehorse. So you're basically saying that old adage, the bullshit work-life balance, that everyone should have yeah. exactly the same work-life oh, yeah. balance. In his- I
1: think that that belief, I just had someone downstairs in the hotel I was talking to on the way to, to meet with you. And I was talking with the lady at the bar because so I was looking on my phone to figure out where I was meeting you. And we got talking about something and she said, yeah, yeah, you got to have work-life balance. I just sort of smiled and walked away. I didn't want to have the conversation, but work-life balance is not something that high performers have or want.
0: No, absolutely. Because
1: we're here for the challenge and the adventure. But everyone's saying, well, you need better work-life balance. That doesn't work. So in my my book, I came up with a new model that actually makes way more sense. So forget work-life balance. It's work-self-life-passion.
0: Absolutely. Go on, tell us a little more.
1: Yeah, so basically it's, de- it's not just work and life because if you just had work and life, work gets super demanding, but you still have a little bit of time for life, you're probably okay. But that's not what happens. What happens is work gets demanding, life gets demanding, and you get squished out in the middle. And then there's no energy left for you. So the way I look at it is is work, self, life, passion is if you've got 100 units of passion in a day, week, month, year, how much of that do you want to dedicate to your work? yourself and your life now obviously if you're not careful the work's going to take it all
0: yeah
1: and what we in, in this model instead, said you decide okay what how much energy do i need for me to be the best me for for my by my body my mind my spirit to be strong resilient feeling great and then once you know what you have to do for you it's kind of like your your minimum and i call it in the book your resilience rituals mm-hmm. what are the things you got to do to be you one of the things that you and I need to do is we need to be at events like we're at today so we can learn and connect with our other like-minded friends. Absolutely. That's a, that's a key thing. So, and, or, and for me, it would be going and racing cars and, and doing go-karting and
0: traveling, and all that
1: traveling, playing, meeting new crazy people, which is, that's fun for me. That, that, so basically you decide how much of energy do you want to have in your, for yourself? Let's say that's 20% of your best energy in a given week. Mm-hmm. And then how much will you give to work and how much do you want to give to life? And we recommend self first, then life and work. And, and look, if you've got 20% of your energy dedicated to yourself and being the best you, if work gets a bit crazy and self goes down to 15, you're okay. The problem is if you're not conscious about it and you start out by default with whatever's left over, kind of like the table scraps or what you get, which is the case for a lot of these people, you probably only had 5% of your passion going to yourself to start with. And then work gets a little crazy or life gets crazy, now you're down to zero. And then now you're in trouble, because sooner or later, you know, you're gonna you're gonna get worn out and have nothing left inside you.
0: Yeah, and you know what fascinates me is, a lot of business owners fall into that trap, and I see very few freakishly talented people that get out of that trap, and probably one that springs to mind is actually Elon Musk. Yeah. I mean, it really would be interesting to see, actually, for him to do your assessment tool, to see where he comes out because that man is secretly freaky, but if for him, he's got bundles of energy all the time.
1: And if we were to talk to him, and the problem is say, with a guy like Elon Musk, who's done doing amazing things in our world. The second major problem is what we read about in the media versus the truth. Mm. So let's just say that somebody like him had a nervous breakdown last week. Do you think we're gonna know? Never, because those people are marketers. The media is a marketing medium so, people only want to tell the story that supports their brand or whatever they're up to. So, let's just say that he had had challenges or somebody else had. We're not going to know. So, I guarantee he does things to take care of himself. Otherwise, he couldn't sustain it. Mm. But we aren't likely to hear about it because that's not the story he wants. Which creates the, the major conflict is because nobody talks about it and everyone looks like everyone else can just be a sustained rock star forever. like Hilo. Exactly. When someone has a challenge and they come up against a challenge situation, challenging situation, they're like, this must be something wrong with me. I'm probably the only one. I'm obviously a complete loser. I don't want to talk to anyone about it. And that creates the problem. Correct. Because when people get fried or burnt out or overburdened or stuck, it gets worse before it gets better. And it always gets worse until you get help. So what happens with these people is because it's seen as being an odd situation, not normal, they stay stuck for way longer than they need to. And to me, that's, that's a, it's a travesty. Why would you have these people who are achieving these amazing things on our planet who end up suffering when they don't have to? So how does your book
0: address this issue?
1: Great question. So the main premise of the book is, you know, how do you survive and thrive? in this crazy leadership adventure you've chosen to take, and in your life. And uh, so I've broken down, there's 17 habits that are basically as a result of thousands of conversations when I've been coaching CEOs and leaders over the last 20-something years. And whenever they come up against something, it's one of these 17 habits. 90-something percent of the time. There's other things, but this is the core of the tools and techniques I've used to help these high-performers get themselves out of a rough spot, and then continue to
0: scale. And if someone wants to take the assessment tool, how much does it cost? It's free. It's free, is it?
1: Look, the the deal is, I want to help more people. I have had the great fortune to have an education that you can't get. Because of these amazing CEOs and executives I work with all around the world, in Australia, Middle East, India, US, Canada, uh, a few other smaller countries as well, But because I've got to work so closely with so many different and and amazing people, what I've been able to learn about human nature and leadership and scaling businesses, it's next to impossible to learn. So I feel this great need and desire to share it with people. So the assessment, for example, you just download it on my website. It's under the book section. It's lawrenceandco.com. And you can get the assessment there. There's a free uh, chapter of the book. If you want to read a chapter of the book to see if it's actually for you, Um, It's there. The tools in the book, you can also download for free
0: as well. Now, a lot of people get very nervous reading books, because I don't know what it's like for you, but a lot of my clients are highly talented, really great people, but perhaps never excelled at school. Mm. A lot of them are dyslexic and stuff, and they're going to say, okay, well, maybe this book is a little bit too advanced. Now, knowing you, that's not the case. That's not the case at all. Because you've got the same passion as me. Make it really simple for everybody to understand. Is that the case with the book?
1: It is. And that was actually one of the, we had a few tenets that we wrote the book based on. One of which is, get right to the point. Number two, very simple. And three, it's written for people with dyslexia and ADD. That's the way it's designed and written because many, many high performing people either have dyslexia and or ADD, sometimes both. Um, And we've designed it in that way. So it's very straightforward. It's not a 500 page, let me tell you a story about something that takes seven hours to understand. No. Right to the point. Simple. Easy to read. Even laid out so it's easy to read. And easy to implement. Correct. Well, the book, you know, so there's 17 habits that you ideally would master and be strong at all of them to be able to survive and thrive and scale. Um, but for each of them, there's, a, there's five tools or exercises in every chapter. And the tool can be a question, a challenging question, or a reflection, or, or a plan. But for each of the chapters, it's broken down into simple little things that you can
0: use for whichever chapter is relevant for you. So what would, if you were to give CEOs and business owners out there three major tips, what would they be? The one
1: would be to use, um, in chapter 17, it's called Plan, Plan, and Plan Again. Because the dynamics keep changing and you have to stay focused. So I would say is to fill out the master plan. Do the master plan tool, which is having you to have a very simple, long, medium, short-term plan for work, self, and life. Mm -hmm. And to always think about all of your goals, work, self, and life. And to have them on the same page so you can see them side by side. So use the master plan tool and understand work, self, and life. Um, Second thing I would say uh, is... Figure out those resilience rituals that are really key for you. What are those things you need to do daily, weekly, or monthly that basically keep you strong and and, and, and passionate? Because you know, it's one thing to stay strong by working out. It's another thing to eat well. And it's another thing to feed your soul. So what are those things that really keep your spark because a lot of people get worn out and dull because they don't do enough of that stuff?
0: And the problem is, though, is when they are worn out and dull... That has an impact on the organization. You think? Because people buy their energy. Correct. And
1: then you're setting a bad example. You'll often get negative or less optimistic. Never mind what it does in your personal life. Like who wants to be around someone who's got a gray cloud over top of their head all day long? But that's our responsibility to have our energy and our attitude and our spirit really strong. Um, The third thing that I would say there's... I mean... It's like asking which one's your favorite child, right? <laughs> I got 17 chapters and I love them all. Um, one of the ones that, that, that people often would not get as advice that is different is is to deal with your emotional junk or your emotional triggers. Oh, yeah. Look, if you look at executives that continue to scale and grow, aside from having some decent brain power, which most have, and decent work ethic, which most have, it's managing their emotion And and their emotional reactions is what actually separates those that continue Mm -hmm. to grow and those that don't. And a lot of people are very, very reactionary. And a reaction can be shutting down and shying away. A reaction can be making a fast decision. Or a reaction can be a slow decision. Or a reaction can be getting angry. uh, Or a reaction can be not listening. So um, if you you don't deal with your emotional reactions and learn to self-manage better... Uh, there will be too much of you in the room and you will get in the way of progress and you will get in the way of your people. So uh, particularly for CEOs, but for anyone, um, learning to understand that and and work through it, which generally without the help of a coach, it's going to be pretty tough because it's all about looking in the mirror, getting feedback and and, and modifying
0: your behavior. And sometimes even a coach isn't going to be enough and we need to send them to see a professional
1: Oh, well, 100%. Look, in this kind of work, a coach can often help you figure out those blind spots you need to address. Mm-hmm. But often it's it's psychiatrist, psycho- oh, I'm sorry, psychologist, uh, psychotherapist, it could be a counselor. Um, people that can help you to unpack the baggage that you've built up over the years.
0: Which people do not realize they're building up.
1: No, because it's their reality. It's yeah. their normal. It's always been there for them. But there's a lot of stuff that I see with executives where that baggage starts to get in their way. Some some have none, and they're okay. But for some, it becomes very obvious, and it shows up in how they handle really tense, important situations. Well,
0: a, lot of, a lot of time, really, what I've noticed is a lot of the baggage people carry actually is from school. Sometimes I reckon, you know what, to get the college fund, let's send them to psychotherapy once they sort of finish school. Because that may be a far better start to life than sending them to get more baggage.
1: Yeah, it's very interesting. If you go back, and as a coach, I help people to understand the things that are holding them back. And a lot of it is school years and earlier. It's deep, permanent baggage. Some sort of trauma when they were a kid. Parents got divorced. Accident happened. They got hassled or bothered in school. All these things. And and again, those are things as a coach I don't really deal with. I help them understand
0: they need to go see an expert. But the good news is all these things can get cleaned up. And they need to be cleaned up. I mean, that's probably for me one of the most important habits to master, because if you can clean that out, you've got no limit in, you've got no limitations on you.
1: Correct, Because those things are like you're like shackled back to your old yeah. stories. they keep coming up. So the interesting thing about that stuff is is that sometimes it'll affect you at work, but let's say it doesn't even affect you at work. It'll affect you in your peace of mind because at the end of the day, look, people want to achieve a lot. But if you really want to achieve it and enjoy it and have that peace and that feeling of abundance and wonder, and hey, this is amazing,
0: um, you're not able to do that if you've got a whole bunch of baggage swirling around in your head. Oh, absolutely. So again, just for the audience, thank you for your time. If they want more information, head over to lawrenceandco.com. You can download a chapter to read and you can take the test. Correct. Brilliant. Well, if anything that we discussed today resonates with you, head over to borka.com and get in contact. And remember, failing to learn is learning to fail.